Hi, and welcome to Patient World. Today, we have Devin Brzezinski with us. Welcome so much to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you reaching out. Well, Devin, can we get started by having you tell the audience about yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Devin Brzezinski. I'm an occupational therapy student at Mary Baldwin University, Murphy Deming College of Health Sciences. And I guess I'll start really with what is occupational therapy, because I feel like a lot of people out there don't know what it is. And a lot of times we get confused with physical therapy. So occupational therapy, you think of anything that you need to do or want to do throughout your entire day. So it's your activities of daily living. So being able to get dressed, go to the bathroom, shower, all of those little things that we might be taking for granted in our everyday lives. But a lot of times we seek out occupational therapy services after some sort of event has happened to us where we can no longer do those types of tasks. Um, and so right now in grad school, I'm completing a doctoral capstone project and I am I have created an OT program within the cardiac rehab department here. So what that looks like is after you've gone through any type of cardiac event, you start thinking about what are some lifestyle changes and habits and routines that I could potentially change to make myself healthier and for this to not happen again. Right. So what my program has helped people do is to really take a, a self-reflection and introspection on what are my eating habits like? What type of health beliefs do I have surrounding healthy eating in general? And what type of quality sleep am I getting? What, um, what type of stress do I have throughout my day? And how does that potentially contribute to my lack of sleep and my poor eating habits, right? Looking at my movement and how much we're supposed to be getting every day because the Centers for Disease Control, CDC, and the American Heart Association, they recommend 150 minutes of moderate physical activity or 75 minutes of rigorous physical activity every week. And unfortunately, as a nation, we are way under on those numbers. Absolutely. And so we need to start educating folks about that's the bare minimum, right? And then how can we increase our movement throughout our day? Um, and so just trying to educate people on what that might look like and how do you know what's low, moderate, and high intensity as far as workouts go? And it doesn't necessarily have to be, quote unquote, a workout that you're in the gym, right? And just getting your heart rate up to those levels. Um, so a lot of what I do is education. But then outside of the program, I've put together a podcast to continue to educate everyone on heart disease and interviewing other survivors, because I think a large part of going through something like this is you may feel alone in your journey. And it's a, it's a really eye-opening experience for a lot of folks. So understanding that you are not alone, heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in the entire world. 
And so chances are, it's I think the statistic is one in three women will experience heart disease in her lifetime. So your friends, your family members, they are most likely going to experience this as well. But I think that our stories are really what connects us and makes us stronger. So I wanted to create some sort of network for people to connect and to reach out and to know that they're not alone. Okay, great. And you talked us a little bit about the different levels of activity. You mentioned you don't have to really work out. So could you give the audience some examples of the different levels of physical activity? Sure. So when you think of low intensity exercise, you could sustain this activity for at least 30 minutes. So maybe it's like a light walk throughout your neighborhood, right? You can chat with somebody that you're walking with or doing the activity. Maybe it's gardening, um, anything that you're, you're moving a little bit, but your heart rate is being sustained. When you get into more of that moderate physical activity, that in cardiac rehab, I associate it with when patients are either on the treadmill or on the new step and their heart rate is getting up there, but they can still have a conversation with me. It might be a little bit labored, but it's still manageable. So that's when you're getting into that moderate zone. Rigorous activity is anything where you cannot talk to the person next to you and most likely you can't sustain that for an extended period of time. So I think of more of like the sprinting or hit workouts, things like that, where your heart rate's really high and then you lower back down. Now, when it comes to having any type of heart disease, right? You number one, you want to consult your doctor about what type of exercise you should and should not be doing because especially afterwards, you could be on certain medications like beta blockers that they help to regulate your blood pressure. If you have hypertension, um, and uh, as well as other medications that could have a effect on your heart rate. So knowing exactly, there's a few different formulas that we calculate on our end in cardiac rehab. Um, but also with your doctor to figure out where your heart rate range should be. And it could be, spe it's specific to every single person. So really understanding that range is important when you're getting back into increasing your activity levels, because it it's great that we have, um, smart watches and, you know, you can check your Apple watch or your Fitbit and to see what your heart rate is, but also to know, like, can I measure on my wrist or on my neck? Um, to see what my heart rate is at any given point in time, I think is really valuable information. I agree. Can you tell me some of the challenges you think your patients have dealt with after having dealt with heart disease? Sure. A lot of my patients, it's, it's funny because going into the program, I thought I had a, a vision of what challenges patients might experience, but a lot of it actually had to do with mental health and especially with the male population, because I think it's such an underserved area in healthcare and maybe it's taboo. It's not as talked about, um, with males. So that's something that I really focused on within my program to say, okay, if you are, you feel like you 
have a lot of anxiety after the surgery. Not only do you have pain at the incision site, but you're nervous about, can I lift this? Can I potentially go back to work? I'm the breadwinner of the family. And, and so thinking through all of these what ifs has been a, a very big challenge for a lot of my patients. So really sitting down with each individual and saying, okay, here is where I'm at. These are the concerns that I have. And then what are in occupational therapy, I'm, t- I'm thinking of what type of resilience skills and mental health strategies can we start implementing to make them feel a little bit more relief in this situation? And it was, it was really cool because there were a few patients that had concerns about going back to work. So I created another session and I had a few objective measures of different return to work scales to see, you know, from a, a standardized assessment, where can we see, um, to let the patient know, okay, I've answered X, Y, and Z on this questionnaire. And that puts me in the category that I'm still not ready to return to work, or maybe I am. And so figuring out where the patient is, was extremely valuable information because a couple patients said, you know, I'm not there yet. And then they were able to advocate for themselves and go back to HR and say, I would really like another week or another two weeks of cardiac rehab. Um, so it just gave them a little bit more comfort and education to then go to their employer and ask for what they felt they needed. Um, we also looked at maybe going back to work is plausible and maybe it's not. I had another gentleman who he has to pass a certain physical exam um, because he is a firefighter. So there are certain requirements for his position specifically and trying to help him navigate that. Okay. This is plan A. (laughs) If plan A doesn't work, what's another potential career that you could go into? Is it staying within the force or is it something else? And so exploring those other career interests was another really helpful tool for him to use. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot, as you can imagine when it's, when it comes to heart health and getting back into your everyday routines. Do you see a lot of people who need to be retrained to do something else after heart disease? Um, I don't know if I've seen enough to say yes or no, either way. I think it's all dependent on the person and where they're at. Um, every, every single person is unique. And that's what I love about occupational therapy is we meet them where they are and we really try to help guide them in whatever direction that they see is best for them. What do you think patients could do to empower themselves from your standpoint? When it comes to heart health? Um, recuperating after having had a, a cardiac event or occupational therapy or just anything in your experience that you've seen that you want to leave with the, the viewing audience today as far as empowerment. Yeah. Empowerment really starts from within. I think not only recognizing that 
you have needs and wants and they're valid and honoring that and then trying to put into plan a realistic goal for yourself. And whether that's the help of an OT or if that's talking to your doctors, whatever, whatever it is, right. To, to take that time, self-reflect, and then talk through different strategies for solutions moving forward. Um, there's, there's a lot of patients too. And I I'm this way myself. You know, we want to, we want to take on everything. We, we've been very independent and in control of our whole lives. And then this instant happens, this very traumatic experience of, of a heart attack or going through surgery. And now their world is turned upside down and relying on other people to help is, is another big area that I see. So really respecting your body and understanding, like we all have our limits and right now, just because you're asking for help at this point in your recovery doesn't mean that that's going to be the same thing five, 10 years down the road. So accept the help when you need it. That's an excellent point to make. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience today? Yes, I would love to share that I've created a podcast for heart disease survivors really take control of their health and well-being. So on the podcast, I have episodes with other survivors to share their story and really connect everyone. I have experts in the field on healthy eating, nutrition, getting more movement in with other fitness experts. And so really trying to create a, a positive community around heart health. And you can find all the episodes they're released every Friday and the podcast can be found on any platform like Spotify, Apple music, iTunes, you name it. It's out there. So, and the podcast is called motivate change with the O T is capitalized for occupational therapy. That sounds great. I'm going to have that information posted at the end of this video. Thank you so very much for coming today. And we really appreciate your time and your information. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye. You too.